So you're looking for someone to invest in your business, but you just can't seem to find any takers. What might you be doing wrong? And what can you do to make your business more attractive to investors? I'm Kalila Reynolds, and it's time for another episode of Money Moves, J.A., brought to you in partnership with Exim Bank's Business Advisory Service, giving you the tools to grow your business. This week, I'm talking to Chartered Business Valuator and Managing Director at Become Investable, Kevin Valley. Hi, Kevin. How are you doing? I'm great, Kalila. How are you? I'm good. Joining me all the way from Trinidad and Tobago, right? That's where you are today? Yeah, that's yeah, That's where I am today. Yes, yes. Okay, good stuff. Well, so a, a very common problem for business owners is getting access to capital. And there are various ways that you can do that. You can go to a bank and try to get a loan. You can beg your family and friends, which is a common way for people to start. But there are also some who have reached that stage in the business where they might be seeking an investor. Or you may have ambitions to someday get to that point where you can become investable. And that's what we're talking about today. So what are the key things, Kevin, that makes a business investable? What are investors looking for? <laughs> all right, thanks, uh, Kalila, thanks again for having me on. And you know, the, all right, so you speak about small businesses, right? And um small businesses you know well the banks and the and the large institutional investors they typically they typically chase down the larger businesses and what have you all right but the med the small and medium-sized businesses is really more about like business model things so it's really about your fundamentals so like what people do you have on your team um how how do your customers feel about you what is your competitive advantage um your your hr practices your corporate governance your financial performance or your financial controls like so how do you do you know your numbers so all of these things is really about having the proper systems in place to make sure that you are scalable because that's the I mean that's the number one thing investors look for scalability so the main thing is they want to be sure that this business can grow can become yes. a bigger business can reach a larger audience a larger market and they will be able to to make a return on their investment so what are the things that you need to have in place perhaps on paper uh, maybe it's accounting strategies or policies that you need that you would need to present to these investors okay so the first thing is your is your team right so how are you onboarding people for your team like do you have an hr strategy that's in alignment with your business strategy or are you just kind of adding people to your business on an ad hoc manner like here's my cousin here's my here's my other family member i trust them but are they necessarily the right people in terms of the skill sets that you need right and i spoke about customers so let me just go a little deeper into that so in identifying your target customers you want to look at three main things first thing and most importantly who can you create the most amount of value for right so the 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 greater the great most of them um, the bigger the problem that more people face you know the more scalable your business solution should inevitably become right secondly who do you like working with and this is really important because a lot of people are running businesses where they're serving customers and they, 
they don't really enjoy working with these customers and it's 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 a pain it's a drag and everything and thirdly who can afford to pay a premium for your service mm. because you have to remember that you know as small businesses we can't necessarily serve the world well most of us aren't necessarily set up to serve the world we are set up to serve a specific niche so you want to make sure we get as much as as much value from that niche as possible all right i spoke about competitive advantage i mean first thing i mean especially right now we're living in a digital age you know there's a lot of intellectual property based businesses being created you know a lot of tech based businesses a lot of apps and even just when you think about like proprietary systems and even brands that we build so we need to we need to make sure that that intellectual property is protected first and foremost and then we want to think about all right how can we position our business so that we are generating profit margins that are in excess of the average profit margin for others in our industry or others trying to solve a similar problem that we're trying to solve for our customers you know so then you you look at you look into things like what is my customer concentration so do we do i have any particular customer that is that is generating more than 10 percent of my revenues now a lot of times you know um small businesses and I mean and it's it's natural right we have a few customers who's who's bringing all the revenue to us but that is a big risk because what if one of those customers decide a day well i'm gonna i'm gonna jump you on the price or hey i don't really want to pay that price anymore or even look at supplier concentration so if one supplier says all right um i need to hike up the price for your raw materials and then you have to pass it on to your customers you know all of that is a risk all right um then you speak about finances right financial controls so right. in terms of knowing your knowing your numbers so a lot of us are technicians you know we know how to provide that particular product or service that that we developed that we created mm -hmm. but but we're running we're running our business and do we necessarily know hey how much cash we have in the bank at appearance time <laughs> or how much how much does yes. Leela owe us you know for that for that's that product? so true because mm -hmm. we become experts like you said at making manufacturing the product or offering the service but then you have to pay attention critically to the business and to the accounting making sure that those are in place so i've i've met business owners who they don't know their numbers i've interviewed people yeah. and and you ask you know how much you're bringing in how much you're losing and they don't know and that is worrying especially to an investor isn't it kevin no definitely definitely one of the so i mean we've we've been able to get one of um a very established um finance professional to come on board as our chairman we'll make that announcement soon once we have all the paperwork in place but one thing that 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 this gentleman said is that if if an if an entrepreneur or if a business owner comes into his office and says yeah well i i pack up my receipts and i ship off ship off my um my invoices and whatever to an, the accountant down the road to prepare for me so i don't really know going on with that i have to talk to him he said mm -mm -mm -mm, one time i mean we, we're not necessarily expected to be finance experts but we should because you should know our numbers at all times because if you don't know your numbers then you don't know your business yeah what yeah. if what if my business is at the very early stage so maybe a little bit past the idea i've developed a prototype do investors still go for that or do they only want more established companies that's a very that's a very good question you see depends on investors where right so in the caribbean 
it's it's really i found it really difficult to find investors who are interested in investing in at the idea stage or even yeah. at that prototype yeah it's really it's really really hard the institutional investors mean you can pretty much forget it right but um i know there are some there are a couple angel groups across in jamaica there are a couple um there there's there's some secret angel groups in Trinidad. I'm trying to find some more. <laughs> <It's a secret>. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you Jamaica, know? have first angels. Jamaica, first angel yes. Jamaica is a, a popular one here. Yes, first first angels, and I and I can't recall the name of the other one right now. I think it's um it's led by the gentleman named Javet Nixon. I can't remember the name of it right now. Oh, but, um, I didn't know Javet was involved with an angel group. But yeah, first yeah. angels is with uh, Sandra Glasgow and yeah. lots of very high powered names. All right, so you'd want to look to, to perhaps angel investors, but for all right, so for the average business who might be looking for an investor, how long is there a time period that investors look at to say that this is a more safe investment because they've been established for X number of years? So I wouldn't say I wouldn't necessarily say time period more than actually how much is the business model de-risked, right? How much how much of the risk of the investment you remove so you do that by you risk it by providing credibility so you provide your market research you show how you can achieve product market fit you again you show how your team is the right team to execute on on this and yeah so it's really a game of credibility and how big is the problem you're, you're trying to solve and are you the people to solve that problem do I need to come with a proposal for growth? Is it that uh, I might be saying I just want money for my business? You know, I, want <laughs> I, just want, I just want money. But do I need to actually present something to say these are the reasons that I want this money? These are what I'm going to pump it into. Yeah, I mean, definitely, you, you you need to be able to show how the business could go from one stage to the next. So you need to be able, you need to show how you expect to achieve that growth, and you need to be able to defend how you're able to achieve that growth because a lot of it's, i mean everybody is going to come into the business and say yeah we're going to take the business from xx i mean i've never seen a business owner come come to come looking for financing and say well if you give us your money <laughs> we are going to lose all i mean everybody says the the, if the business is going to go to a billion dollar company million multi-million dollar company or what have you but it's really what you can defend what can you substantiate with your research or with your track record or yeah what can you defend? and that's and that's what you call defensibility yes mm. so yes. let me ask you some questions on the flip side now kevin sure. so you mm -hmm. come from the investor perspective but you would be able to to guide us and others yeah i often speak for myself when i'm doing these interviews as an entrepreneur myself but so when I am coming to the table to negotiate, so let's say you have accepted my proposal and you now want to invest in my company, you want to become an equity investor. So you're going to be taking X percentage of the company. How do, what are some of the key things that I can negotiate on? So you, you may have this fear that the investor is coming to take over the company. Uh, or because they are now they now own such a large percentage of shares, a large block of shares, they may feel that they they run things. So how do I uh, strike that balance and, and approach the investor on those types of terms? Yeah, man. All right, that's a nice, um, that's a very nice specific question. Okay, so ideally, you really shouldn't want to you shouldn't be giving up full control of your company. Yeah, you shouldn't be giving up control of your company 
to the to an investor unless you really see them bringing like an immense amount of value you know so there are, there are a bunch of different um protections you can you can put in you can put in place to make sure that that you're not you know um liquidate that sorry not diluted down the road but it's i mean it's everything is all about documenting whatever the contractual agreement or however you want things or you want things to run going forward so you look at allocation of of board seats and and, and um all those sort of things so you wouldn't advise people to give up more than what percentage of their company? Don't give up. Um, don't give up more than don't give up controlling stakes. So, so always maintain at least fifty-one percent. You know, at least you and your and your founding team. And investors like to see that that founders own more than you know own a controlling stake of their company, especially right. if they're operating the, the company because that's alignment of interest. So when you contrast that with public publicly traded companies where you have a CEO who who might have gotten shares as part of compensation they, they may own less than one percent or what have you mm -hmm. their job becomes more of a short-term kind of let's beat our projections every quarter kind of job right because they have all of these analysts watching them and if they they know that if they miss on their projections the analysts are going to say hey, sell 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 and the mm -hmm. stock price goes down and they look bad in front of their board right when you're when you're a privately held company which is the um the target that target customers that we work with that become investable right you are able to focus more on long-term value creation for your company right you are able to you're able to think beyond quarter and quarter and think about okay what will this business look like in the next three to five ten fifteen twenty years or even the next generation right and that's what I mean most sophisticated investors are looking for unless you're looking to invest and make a quick buck but most invest most sophisticated investors are usually looking for the long term mm -hmm. and so coming back to to the valuation issue how do i even know how much mm. my business is worth uh well the short answer is you can call me but <laughs> <laughs> but um yes yeah so i mean there, there are many there are different ways of valuing a business and it all depends on on the stage of the business or what what information is available so if you're if your business has been in operation let's say three to five years already you already have some level of track record you already have some some credible way in which you know you could pre, you could project your financials and and a value that could come in and look and say okay well this makes sense you made five million last year so if you say you're going to make 5.5 million next year or you're going to make six million next year because you're going to put these things in place all right that makes sense we could take those projections as given we we factor that in we discount it by whatever is an appropriate risk rate to compensate for not only the risk-free rate or the um the whatever the bond the government bond of jamaica or trinidad or whichever country is trading at the time but also premiums based on the the risk of your industry the company specific risk and um yeah the overall risk of the market all right well you've given us a lot of information kevin i feel like we need to have you back to talk some more on some of sure these thing. topics thank you so much all right thank you kalila here's a recap of kevin's main points on becoming investable have the right people on your team remember how the customers feel about you matters have a competitive advantage 
and have great HR practices. That's it for this episode of Money Moves JA, brought to you in partnership with Exim Bank's Business Advisory Service, giving you the tools to grow your business. Visit their website at eximbankja.com and visit my website at kalilareynolds.com for a full summary of this episode. You can click the link in the description box below. I'm Kalila Reynolds. Until next time. Let's get this money. <laughs> <laughs>